The Sports Career Podcast, episode 176, how to become a game changer when pursuing a career in the football industry. Sports Achiever, it's Ed Bowers here and welcome to tuning back to the Sports Career Podcast. Now as you know, each week I like to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially with regards to coaching and psychology. I really do hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Courtney Carroll Levinson. Courtney has a really fascinating sports career journey. She is a sports performance psychologist consultant and the founder of Go Through Sport, where she supports athletes and parents with regards to mental skill training to improve their personal performance. Also, Courtney was the executive producer of Coach, which is a football documentary film about Tracy Ham's quest to be a UEFA licensed football coach. On that note, it's brilliant to have Courtney as a special guest on the show. That's when today's episode, Courtney will share her sports grid journey and explain to you how you can develop into a game changer in the football industry. Courtney, it's such a pleasure to have you on this podcast show. Please can you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? My sports career journey began as, as a pursuit of a professional player. I was really trying to go pro in the earliest form of the United States Women's League called WUSA. And um, at the combine, I tore my first ACL. So that was uh, what put me on a path to exploring a new journey. And uh, because this injury happened out of college, I was really on my own to rehabilitate. And when you start to look at the journey to re-enter your sport after injury, you, um, you have to take a deep dive into motivation, confidence, um, resilience, um, all those, all those big, all those big words. Right. And, um, if you don't have, have an idea of them yet, you have to learn them. So that was where I had to kind of get in there and do some work all with the intention of going back to the game as a player. But that's, that's another, that's another story. But, um, during my rehab, um, I was coaching at my former collegiate team and uh, I was working on my master's in sports psychology. And this is where I first met Tracy Ham, who we'll get to later. Um, I received my master's and continued coaching. And that's where I launched Grow Through Sport, my sports psychology consulting practice. Coaching and uh, my personal life <laughs> eventually brought me to Manhattan, where I was the assistant director of coaching for Gotham Girls Football Club and the New York Athletic Club women's semi-professional team. After winning a national championship with uh, the New York Athletic Club in 2010, I gave myself permission to step away from the game and focus on my personal life, which women in soccer are not always afforded the opportunity to do. So I was very lucky to be able to take a deep breath and step away. Um, But yeah, that is where... um, 
my journey into my sports career began. <laughs> I find this really interesting, but I've got to go back in time. What inspired you to study psychology? And I assume this was the sort of same time as you playing. Is that correct? Um, it's the same time as I was rehabilitating my injury. So it is the rehabilitation process of today we're going to bend your knee four degrees more and it's going to hurt and it's going to be awful, but you're going to do it. And then you're going to get on the other side. And it was entering each of these sessions like they were training sessions. You know, I'm on the first team and I wouldn't, uh, I, I don't know how to approach anything without some kind of goal around it. And that focus to, okay, now we're going to, four degrees become six degrees, six degrees becomes 10, 10 becomes 20. Oh, look at you're at 90 degrees. Okay. Now we can go to the next thing. So goal setting, um, applying, applying the focus and concentration and the, and having the bad days and experiencing what depression is when my, I wasn't around my team. So as, as I was building these new, this new skill set. And working on my master's, I got to um, really understand human behavior and performance. And they are so tied together in, in um, how we, what we do and how we go about our day. And um, so taking a deep dive and knowing that that was, that was where I was going to focus, even if I wasn't going back to the game at that point. I was, um, the feedback that I was getting just from, from my master's program and, and the internships that I did and to continue coaching and using that knowledge in my coaching style, um, is, is, is still to this day, the most fun thing for me. So just on that note, and you've highlighted it in a great way, some case studies, but with regards to studying psychology, by the sound of things, you use that knowledge as you as the patient with regards to put into the practice. The reason I'm saying this, a lot of students study psychology and we look at it as doing it from an essay perspective. But how important is it to apply psychology with regards to a lifestyle perspective of personal growth? It's huge because it informs your lens um, and how you see things, how you interpret information, how you... Um, stay composed under pressure, how you, and how you interpret pressure, where are your earliest experiences with pressure and how you take those early experiences into throughout your life. And they inform, and they inform the decisions that you make. And when, when we are asking ourselves, um, or excuse me, when, when we're working with athletes, there is, what I have found in our culture is that there's this expectation that these mental skills go along with learning something and they're, and they're just not, you have to teach them separately in conjunction with whatever you're doing, but you have to extract those things because a child doesn't just know how to focus, uh, naturally. Uh, they, they're doing it in a way where, it's, um, they're trying to look for a feedback on, okay, did focusing on this, uh, like, give me something that was rewarding. 
And um, so you're looking at that those reward notions and and tolerating being uncomfortable to to get to the next step. And I'm thinking of like a kid who's trying to cross like the monkey bars on a playground and falling and getting back up and falling and getting back up. And then thinking about those monkey bars during class when you're supposed to be thinking about math and and that challenge of wanting to get all the way across and, and that kind of human natural perseverance and curiosity of what will it take for me to get across in the earliest forms. So, so yeah, I'm, I kind of lost where, what your question was Ed. I'm sorry. It might happen then, but <laughs> I've answered it. I think I've interviewed athletes who study psychology and it's fascinating how they've used this topic with regards to enhancing their mindset as an athlete. Like you're th- the one that comes to mind, I've interviewed John Amici and asked him a very similar question. He's a psychologist and I asked him, did he apply his own studies into him as an athlete? And he said no. And I'm just intrigued. And I can tell with your character that you do. But here's a quick question. I I hope you don't mind me carrying on this conversation. With that monkey bar example, children falling and failing, in in your opinion, how come adults don't apply that philosophy? Do you see that happening a lot? It depends on where you are. And it depends on what what adults you're... um, Because I see a lot of adults who do and a lot of adults who the feedback of the challenge is overwhelming. So it goes back to your earliest experiences with overcoming a challenge or where, where feedback, where you stop being supported or supporting yourself, right? This kind of natural, unfortunately, the brain really does work against us a lot. It's not a natural ally. There's really kind of interesting, like, self-doubt that is always has to be um, proven wrong. And once you prove it wrong enough, your brain goes, ah, all right, you got this one. I'll let this one go. And you now have rewired your neurological feedback system to receive pressure and information in a more, to- you're more tolerant of it. These little experiences to increase our tolerance with being discom- uncomfortable with because we're not perfect. And then the reality of we're not perfect because from four or from one to 10, your mom and dad have told you you're perfect and you're going to do no wrong and all this. Then we start to learn like, oh, that's because they love me and they want me to succeed and all that stuff. So then you are, then it's separating the kid from, my parents tell me how I feel to I now am in control of my emotional state. And there's a maturity, there's a natural developmental process that happens to separate for a kid in that moment. Like now this is me. I'm not my mom. It's not about my mom telling me how I feel or my dad telling me what I should be able to do. There's this natural developmental cycle that happens with our brain. And in that, we're wiring our experiences to inform us about the world, right? And so they, they, stay, they stay there. They stay there. They're deep. They're deep. And, and they surface in times of stress or on the a positive, also positive side they surface when we're in times of celebration, right? And the humanness of 
these experiences and these emotional states, that is fascinating to me because we share them. They're, they're shared. They're unique to you and unique to me. But inside of that is a commonality of our ideas about pressure, stress, confidence, what we can handle, where we need support, how to ask for it, ego, all of those things happening, you know? And uh, so it's a big, it's a big soup. And when kids in sport and, and get to a certain age where it's hard to keep advancing and to stay competitive and you're looking at, okay, so how do you help, how do you help this developmental process optimize that kid's experience? And that's what I love about coaching. The role of the coach in a person's life is so critical because they have this, this reach and the reach is into psyche where, because this is a person holding a position of power over them. You're either going to start or you're not going to start. You're either going to come in or you're not. It's kind of up to the coach. So this power that they have, it's not always used uh, to optimize the player's experience, (laughs) but that's my mission with how I coach and how I would coach coaches. And when I was the assistant director of coaching for a club in Manhattan, my clients are my coaches. What are you doing for the, who are the personalities on your team? What are you doing to meet the motivational needs for each of these different personalities. Um, how are you, how are you modeling being composed under pressure? All this modeling stuff, because the visibility component that we now know through so much wonderful research, right, is that visibility matters and communication styles matter. And when it's, when it loses it being about development and enhancing or fostering a love of the game and changes into outcome driven and result oriented coaching, you lose so many players who you don't want to lose that many players because somebody has gone outcome on them. Right. And, um, unfortunately Outcome, result-driven coaching is going younger and younger and younger and younger. And and to, you know, to have somebody come and say, we won, you know, a U-12 national championship, it in my opinion, it <laughs> it's for the parents. Uh, or I don't know. I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get too negative on toxic club cultures. But it hijacks the experience of the player and um, puts things on them that they're not ready for because competition and developing um, a sense of self that's separate from whether you won the game or not. When you keep going younger and younger and younger, that kid walks away from the game feeling responsible for the loss or can you imagine a 10 year old feeling bad about soccer or how they played that day or feeling responsible for the game or, you know, it's just, so it drives home the wrong messages at, at the wrong age. So I'm with my coaches. I really want to focus on 
pushing back the age of when you're going to ask them all these things, if you haven't empowered them with the mental skills that they need to, um, to handle what's in the task at hand, right? Just on that note, I find what you've just said so fascinating. And what I would love to ask you now with regards to young coaches, in your opinion, with regards to today's podcast topic, what skill sets do coaches need from a psychological perspective with regards to what you've just spoken about, understanding the players at such a young age? This is for young coaches right from the block. In your opinion, if you had to categorize it, what core skills, in your opinion, they need? Empathy, compassion. They need to know where the kids are coming from and what the backgrounds are. Um, and, and they need to trust themselves that their love of the game and, and, their, and their ability to teach is good enough. And there's nothing, I see a lot of young coaches who it's hard to come in and hold this role in front of a team. So the nervousness of their own mental process of, are the cones set up? Do I have enough pennies? Just trust, just trust. You got plenty of cones. If you don't have enough pennies, we'll go lights and darks. It's trusting yourself to extend a fun experience to these kids so that they want to come back and play for you again tomorrow. Or, hey, coach, watch this. I practiced this or I did it. And you are, it's a feedback cycle that, I want young coaches to dive into that the feedback isn't from the parents saying, oh, you run a really good tight training session. The feedback cycle is from the players. Do they want to come back and play for you? To trust that you have enough to do that, to get them to just believe in themselves. And here we go back to the sports psychology thing, like why wouldn't they, right? So it's a new role that they're entering. And so a new set of mental skills has to be developed. And if they don't know what those are, how do they go about developing them? One of the most important things a young coach can do is to separate their own playing career from how they coach because they were a player that was a type of player and their coach coached that type of player. And now they're a coach coaching many types of players. What I see is in young coaches is they just take how they would do it and, and try and coach that way. And so I want to, I would encourage them to interrupt that cycle right away because how you played and the kind of playing experience you have, it should inform your coaching, but it shouldn't define it. I find this, again, really, really interesting. And in a way, you're sort of saying that coaches starting off when they were a player to create their own rule book right from the word go, so like a fresh slate. Is that correct? Is that what you're saying? And like a fresh perspective, that makes sense from a role perspective. Is that correct? It, yes, it's removing your experience from your coaching lens. Yeah, now you have a new lens. And it's not focused on whether, you know... Um, like I, I going back to the, it's not focused on whether the cones are in the right place. 
the lens is about are everybody's needs being met right now? And if it's no, I need to have a toolbox to go into. And if it's yes, then I'm going to turn myself over to enjoying it with them. And um, it, it's, it's, it's hard because it, coaching's hard. Teaching is hard. Standing up in front of kids who want to have a go at you or, you know, be silly or be goofy or, you know, or you think they're not focused, but they're actually super hungry because they haven't eaten since, you know, noon or, um, you, it's, it's also, it's like for young coaches to not judge right away the behaviors that they're seeing as problematic. It's an, it's an opportunity for you to get to know that player's stressors, right? Um, you know, the things that they're, the settings that they're coming from, the other, the other high performance areas that they are expected to be at or do and then come to practice and just be ready to play. Humans can't do that. We can't compartmentalize it all the time. And so what happens is kids shut down because they don't want to be yelled at. So they just just kind of like, you know, go inside because they don't want to be the target of somebody's, you know, neg- or criticism. So for you can and you can see like how hard that might be for a new coach who's not who doesn't have this kind of background in either child psychology or, you know, youth development. And it really, really has to be included in the coaching education and licensing programs. The social, the psychosocial, emotional component that coaches have to be comfortable talking about. I love that stuff. I can definitely tell, Courtney, and I, I want to just pivot the conversation, if that's okay, with regards to what inspired you to do a documentary, and would you mind explaining to listeners what this documentary is about, if possible? You've known I've seen it, and I just think from a coaching perspective, this story is phenomenal, and I'd just love you just to take control of the mic and just really share this experience that you've had with this documentary called Coach. After... 20 years in coaching, I stepped away after winning that national championship because what I was beginning to experience was a lot of toxicity in, in the culture. So I stepped away, and um, when I looked to reenter, I connected with um, a wonderful um, director of Brooklyn City Football Club, and he and I because if you don't want your kids playing for a toxic club, you've got to create it yourself. So he started a club for his daughters because the toxicity of the clubs in the New York City and Brooklyn area, it's just not good enough. It's just not professional enough. It's not, it's the, the quality is just not there. So we built it ourselves. And as we went to go and, and staff a 50-50 ratio of men to women coaches, I couldn't even find one. I couldn't find one female coach. Less than one out of 10 coaches in the New York City area is a woman. And that was really my tipping point because in 2010, I was very concerned about the gender gap. 2016, it was an outright crisis. 
I didn't know if I could continue working in the culture. I started entertaining ideas of, I'm going to start a freestyle academy. We're going to take results out of the whole thing. We're just going to teach kids to fall in love with a ball and do skills mastery and all that stuff. A deep dive into what I want to do. I uh, headed to my best friend's wedding, Nikki, Sherrick, Nicole, that you met at Athens. And uh, that's when I ran into Tracy, Tracy Ham again. When I was coaching Tracy at Cal, where I played uh, my college game, she was a junior at the time, and I was working on my sports psych masters. She stood out. She was, there was something about her leadership style. She brought people with her. You always wanted to play on her team, and you never wanted to play against her. So I knew she'd stayed in coaching, and I'd been following her journey, and, and, um, and when I went back to and I ran into her, I said, I need something. Help me. I'm struggling. What are you doing? Tell me something positive. I need to know what's going on. Tell me what you're doing. What kind of are you a head coach? What, what's going on? She's like, I'm going to finish my residency for my UEFA A in Wales this summer. And which immediately to me was like, that means you did your B. So what, w- what was the B like? Well, I was the only woman in the B, and now I'm the only woman in the A. Or she was one of two women in the B. Now I'm the only woman in the A. And my, the other candidates include Thierry Henry, Peter Crouch, um, these different names. And that was it. I was like, also what I know about licensing programs is that you're often coaching the candidates. And so... I started to get extremely excited about showcasing Tracy leading a session with Thierry Henry and Peter Crouch at this licensing course where they were going to show her the respect that she deserves because she's there and she's holding this position. And if, if these players are showing her that respect, then surely all, everybody can show her that respect, right? I said, I have to know what that looks like. I have to see you holding a position of power and authority among these world-class players. And um, I'm like, is it, is it okay if we make a movie about this? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, yeah, Court. Okay, whatever. I was totally serious. I had met a, fil- a young filmmaker here. His name is Will Scoder. And he really redefined what storytelling is for me. And this is a story that needs to be told. And my vision was, it's a story that needs to be told so that I can put it in front of young girls, young women in New York saying, you can, coaching is a profession. And this is an inspiring coach that I think could help get you to see coaching as something that you might want to do. And so it started off as that. It started off as like a profile of a fantastic coach to give girls that visibility component because I'm convinced that this one out of 10 ratio can be connected back to the lack of visibility. So if they never see it, if they're never coached by it, why would they ever think it's a job that they would Phil. And, and the fact that Jill Ellis is the U.S. national team coach 
kind of seems to be like a separate, it's separate. It's not, it's such a big stage that a local community girl is like, it, like she needs to see it in her every day. And she needs to be surrounded by people who are, you know, holding this role and holding this position. Now, inspiration to kind of profile this kind of coach, it changed after coming back from Wales and seeing this feed, this footage, because I didn't shoot it. I've got these babies here, and I sent four young film students out of NYU who were not soccer people. That was so important. I'm like, do not, I'm like, because I'm like, don't get enchanted with Thierry Henry. Don't get enchanted. Don't, you know, you just stay pinned on Tracy. Stay pinned on Tracy and how she moves through this experience. And we get to see her in a, in a hyper-focused state, in a hyper-confident state and benefit from, from that experience. And then when we start to see these, kind of challenges that are normal for her and other women who coach in soccer, it becomes, this is the stuff that keeps women out of coaching. I came back. I'm like, Tracy, it, we can't, it's not done because no one's going to go into coaching <laughs> after they see this, this part of the footage. But this is why Tracy Ham is a unique game changing badass individual. I said it wasn't done. She's like, I know. Her season starts with San Francisco State. She has this Cinderella, wonderful, fantastic season where she has used this challenging experience where she was very uncomfortable, put herself uncomfortable situation to get better. Then she comes back and it informs how she leads. It infor that challenge informed how she came back and now runs her programs. And that's the part about being comfortable to get uncomfortable. She knew she was going over there to be uncomfortable and what it would do for her after in terms of making her feel like a confident leader who can communicate, motivate, convey feedback, give constructive criticism, be honest. And that's when I knew, okay, this is, this is what the movie is about. We can, we can use Coach to highlight the, normal, the normalization of the things she experienced in Wales. And I'm talking about the normalization of behaviors that unintentionally disrespect others. And how normal those behaviors are for women, not just in coaching, but in the workplace. And then to see Tracy not be a victim of it, there's not a victimishness about it. Like, oh, he interrupted me. No, it's, I will speak louder or I will, res I will respond to it or I will, you know, and then it just informs her confidence to now handle those kinds of situations in her future. And I needed to show how somebody does that without being combative, right? And without, without it being something that takes her out of coaching. Because we need these game changers to stay in and change the culture 
of coaching. Absolutely. I, like the thing that I was going to say, just from my experience, we met at the Athens Women's Football Summit and I was blown away by this documentary. And actually, I thought that was your main area. Thank and you. I, honestly, I was. And just relating to my podcast journey as well, whilst you have a drink and take some breath, you know, I started this podcast show to interview the best in the sports industry. And if I'm being really honest, Courtney, I found it very difficult. You can look at my first hundred podcasts, I found it very difficult in general finding role models who are women coaches. And, you know, I've interviewed mm-hmm. some great coaches who are males. And when I speak to coaches, uh, you know, coaching, teaching, there are transferable skills. Most of them start at school, some of these top coaches, and in my head, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, as long as you're good at those skills. And without a get yeah. without a doubt, when I when I was watching Tracy when she was in Wales and the sort of pressure, and there shouldn't have been pressure, mm-hmm. she should have been just focusing on the the qualification but it was more than that and that's where it comes back to your point the storytelling of that documentary is so powerful and out of interest I know when we spoke in Greece you were still figuring out how you were going to promote it but out of interest how can people access this documentary so people can really learn from Tracy with regards to the great work you've done we are in the process of finding it a home and um we are um kind of in the final stages of where it's going to be hosted and how people can access it. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not quite there yet, but coachthemovie.com is where, is where it will, is where we will share this information first. And we're looking to do that within the next few weeks. Awesome. Well, there will be a link with regards to that. But really quickly, relating to your experience, what did you learn the most from making this film? The power of stories. But how did how how did you get out of your comfort zone? Because you, you know, let's be honest, you're a leader in yourself. I'm just saying that right now in the moment. How did you get out of your comfort zone and just reflecting right in this moment? It goes back to that tipping point. It was a moral and social obligation. And, and it's, it's my moral obligation to increase the number of women who are going to work in soccer, who want to be supported in, in their pursuit of a career in soccer, whether it's coaching, marketing, broadcasting, um, uh, sports science, physical therapy, um, all those, all those wonderful professions, and you know, there's really an absence of a community. And I think it's a great question, Ed, because as I'm thinking about it, I had to get out of my comfort zone to create a community for myself because I can't be around um, toxic soccer. So I had to go out and confront what toxic clubs and club culture is and, and really engage clubs and people who do not embody those um, behaviors or philosophies or values. So I guess getting out of my comfort zone of, of not saying anything, I guess, uh, of not standing up to it of not getting a microphone and saying less than one out of every 10 coaches here is a woman and that's not okay. 
I felt a moral obligation to, I'd love for us to create enough qualified candidates that, you know, we can get a female head coach back in our U.S. women's national team. And honestly, if there weren't enough female candidates to get that job, there aren't enough women going into coaching then. And we need to bring them in, mentor them, prepare them for leading a world-class team, prepare them for becoming, you know, franchise GM, prepare them for going about it at the highest level. And, um, and so, yeah, my, my comfort zone was, was blown away when I, when I had to confront that I have, I have to say something, I have to stand up to this and I don't want to fight and I don't want to complain. And so coach was really my, was, was really my therapy in this telling this story in a way where we can, it's not hitting anybody in the face. It's not demonizing anybody. It's like, it's just kind of simplifying what's happening, making it easy to see how it can interfere with women going into this profession and then trying everything we can to take those barriers down. I think to answer it as well, it's letting education do the talking. Because when I was watching, oh, big I time. just th- looked at it as an education piece. It's like the power of movies. We we could talk of endless of different movies out there in the world which challenge areas of society. And that, to me, when I watched it, I was like, this was a great educational piece. And honestly, I know a lot of the listeners haven't watched it as much as I have. And and hopefully when it's out there live, I will definitely on my newsletter promote it. But look, I cannot express how much I've enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we're at a great stage uh, to finish with an inspirational question. Out of interest, what three tips would you give to university students who want to apply psychology to their profession with regards to coaching or any forms in the game of sport? Number one, have a genuine interest in human behavior. When I started my master's program, There are a lot of people who watch professional sports and they see athletes choking and they get this kind of savior attitude, like, oh, well, I can get in there and help this person or this person. And you have to just be a true interest in like watching the behavior without judging it or interfering with it. Okay. Number two, you've got to understand your own relationship to pressure. You have to explore your own triggers around pressure and responding to it because it will it will help inform how you go into that sports psychology program and just will help yourself, you know, learn about yourself. And then um, the last one is um, so well, let me back up. So take the time to understand your own experience with pressure what motivates you personally, and how it informs your sense of self-confidence. Those two things help us or inform how we feel about ourselves and our ability to meet the demands of what's in front of us. Getting to know your relationship with those three words is key. And the last one is reading. Most inspiring book that I experienced in the earliest 
my earliest journey is with sports psychology. It's called Flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. And the author is uh, Chicks Mihaly. And uh, this was the emphasis of my, of my thesis. Flow states are these unique mental states that we enter when we enter a different part of our brain that is so hyper-focused, everything else disappears. This optimum experience to try and to try and create a flow experience every time you go out in the game. It doesn't, it doesn't happen, but it's what you strive for. And then when it doesn't happen, those are the things that you the well, why? Well, what were the obstacles? Okay, now we can learn about the obstacles in our pursuit of this state. And we learn about what distracts us. We learn about the level of our coping skills. And we learn about the level of, of support that we need to kind of process these emotions when you don't reach that optimum state and win the game, right? And, um, and to, have a, to have an understanding that we'll try again tomorrow. And there's no judgment on today. Courtney, I really, really do hope the listeners take those three tips on board. I certainly have just now. Out of interest, how can people interact with you on social media? My Instagram is uh, at Grow Through Sport. And there's also an Instagram handle of uh, Coach the Movie. Um, my website for my consulting practice is growthroughsport.net. And the coach is coachthemovie.com. And then I have, oh, so on those websites, those other handles will be on there as well. There's Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> that is great. To all the listeners listening in, all those links and website links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Courtney, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ed. Oh my gosh. Where do I begin with regards to me reflecting from this podcast? Wow. Um this is why I love podcasting, like speaking to Courtney after the interview, I sort of said to her what we were going to talk about that that just went out the window because it was such an authentic conversation we had and hearing Courtney's passion with regards to coaching, psychology and integrating both with regards to her moral compass and where she wants to see change in sport and especially with women's coaching. This is what education sports about. It's really highlighting today's should we say, issues with regards to where change needs to happen, especially in the employment world of the sports industry. That's why I created this podcast show, was to show people so people can listen to today's practitioners in the sports industry. And with regards to Tracy Ham and Coach the Movie, there will be a link where you can get access to watch it because it's such a powerful movie. Like if you're studying sport, this would be great for your studies. I learned so much during the movie where in modern society we think things should be progressing like the technology world, but with regards to the career world of the sports industry, we are very behind, without a doubt. And this is why I enjoyed this conversation so much. But from an employment standpoint of the skill sets to be a coach, that was a fascinating part of this podcast chat, that young coaches, male and female, it can be a struggle because we see the 
big coaches and the big clubs and sometimes it's hard to go back to the basics of like looking at coaching of building experience with the players using coaching as a feedback resource for your players to turn up the next week to perform at their best sometimes it's just looking at something from a different perspective that's what I really enjoyed about this podcast is looking at all the topics we spoke about from a different perspective to create change for the future so look I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have really apply Courtney's enthusiasm relating to your sports career journey today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Courtney said, take the time to know your own experiences with pressure. Understand what motivates you personally, because those two things will help you inform your own sense of self-confidence and also meet the demands of what's in front of you. 